I'd like to call this meeting to order. Hello. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for coming to Disaster Council. Um, we are going to start in our traditional manner uh, with the mayor giving opening remarks, but I did want to welcome um, a few new members that we have today. So we have Jean Nikoloff, who is the interim CEO of Bay Area Red Cross. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, we have Mark uh, Tuitu, who's our new, brand new city CIO. Welcome. I look forward to uh, working with you. Bob Lindsheed, CEO of the Chamber of Commerce, replacing uh, Steve Falk. Not here yet, okay. Uh, Barbara Smith, Interim Director of Housing Authority. Okay, and Brian Whitlow, uh, SF Card, who's replacing uh, Alexa. Mr. Mayor, would you like to give some Thank remarks? You. Thank you, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, last month, uh, we marked uh, the 107th anniversary of our 1906 earthquake, and uh, was met with uh, an immediate emergency at 5 a.m., uh, one that, of course, caused us to move the uh, event over, but everything turned out well. But it was just uh, another reminder that uh, uh, we're all using uh, the celebration as a way to remind the public and remind ourselves how important it is to be ready uh, for uh, disaster emergency management. And, again, I want to thank everybody here who participated in that and all the things that you're doing every single day to make sure uh, that we're ready. Uh, that is something that I will continue thanking you all for because it is uh, for our administration uh, something that we very much care about. Um, we also uh, recently passed significant uh, seismic safety legislation. I want to thank the Board of Supervisors again. I know uh, they will be here shortly. But they joined in a unanimous uh, approval of our soft story buildings, and uh, it will certainly help with uh, a well-known cause that our CAPS report had indicated. Our soft story buildings need that upgrade. It was time that we mandated it. But in preparation for that, we met with uh, the building owners of the city, uh, the property owners, the financial institutions, and I think we did it right by getting everybody around this, including our rent board and uh, additional care for uh, low-income tenants to make sure they're taken care of and they have a, a path forward that we're not displacing them while we mandate that property owners uh, make our soft story buildings safe. Uh, Chief uh, Sir and I, uh, of course, have been working very closely together along with all of you, uh, watching and witnessing the, uh, uh, the bombings in Boston. Uh, again, I want to give my condolences to the uh, uh, families of uh, lost and injured ones. And, of course, we are doing everything we can. We know that we are hosting many, many large events in our city. And uh, our own uh, marathon is uh, forthcoming, Outside Lands, America's Cup, the Fleet Week, 
uh, countless other neighborhood uh, and musical events that we host. And uh, the chief and I were in Washington, D.C., talking exactly about our city status in concert with information that Anne has provided and all of you in preparation for these events are providing us uh, to put forth our need for uh, federal support. And we're going to continue that effort. Uh, it is hard in this era of sequestration to make that point, but it is even more disastrous if we don't. So we're going to continue that and make sure that all of our mass gatherings for all reasons are more safe than they've ever been. And I think the public and the visitors to our city deserve our highest attention on that, so we will. Uh, also, as a result of uh, ongoing conversations with Board President Chu and then in, in constant conversation with uh, Anne and uh, our DEM, along with the police and fire chief, uh, we want to signal to you that uh, we are making a commitment to make sure that our radio systems are upgraded. We have an old um, 800 megahertz radio system uh, right now that police and fire and DEM uses and it's in fact 13 years old and if you're already on your cell phone you're probably on the third reiteration in the next few years of the changes our megahertz radio system needs upgrading as we learn from Boston and we learn from every major disaster communication is the very first thing we depend on and so radio systems that are interoperable for our uh, emergency responders is absolutely critical. They're old, they need investments, and we will make that investment and we will uh, at the next meeting outline a very specific time frame for that to happen. We'll need everybody's cooperation and I know uh, we're already working on modern radio systems at MTA. Uh, the other agencies want to also be connected to them but police fire, uh, DEM, and the emergency responders have to have uh, a modern radio system that we have no doubt will work in the uh, middle of a disaster. So we we'll want to focus on that. Uh, next week we have the Golden Guardian exercises and many of you like myself have already received the emails virtually so we're, we're ready for that and uh, we'll know that, that that exercise will again uh, be responsive to the expected earthquake uh, in San Francisco and all the attributes of meeting in our city's emergency center to uh, uh, constantly conduct and ready ourselves and I'll be glad to be part participating in that. Uh, also uh, as a new feature we'll be uh, conducting a mass feeding exercise in the Tenderloin. I'm a little interested in that one because I want to know whether what the menu is, <laughs> uh, whether it's these three-year-old uh, uh, you know, things that we keep in storage or whether it will be a much, much more productive, uh, a robust menu. But uh, again, it really is to test our ability to feed uh, mass numbers of people and I'm glad we're doing it in Tenderloin. We're reinvesting in uh, the uh, practice that we have uh, many weekends when we're feeding uh, the poor there, but we need to feed whole masses of people should there be uh, something that overwhelms us. Uh, so practicing that means we'll get it right when the Buell disaster happens, so I'm glad to participate in that. And finally, the other announcement I want to make was, uh, uh, again, I've asked and uh, appreciated the work of our city administrator to head up the Lifelines Council, the Lifelines Utilities Council. Um, while we were all watching uh, uh, Boston, uh, we also were quite aware of what happened in San Jose with some very important facilities. Uh, 
uh, that involve both PG&E and AT&T. And I want to make sure that you know our Lifelines uh, Utility Council is there for that exact purpose, to share information about critical infrastructure that affects our city. And uh, I know the private sector would be very interested. We are focused on the Lifelines Council. We want to make sure that all the facilities, not just city-owned, not just our water and our sewer, but our electrical facilities, our telecommunications facilities, uh, our workforces that serve them in the private sector are able to get to those facilities so that we can recover quickly. Um, when there are events that occur that might challenge those facilities, we have to be on top of that. That's why we're, uh, again, making sure that the Lifelines Council is ready uh, to exchange more information and continue to do so. And that, of course, is being led by our, our city administrator. So. Uh, those are all the things I wanted to report on and keep abreast with the practice, practice, practice sessions that we have. And the more we feel comfortable with that, the more that if we face the inevitable, uh, we'll be that much more ready. And uh, there's no other public that's more deserving of our most uh, expert uh, focus and resilience on this. So thanks for everybody for working together. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Very informative. You will be hearing presentations on some of the subjects that the mayor touched on today, and uh, I'm, I look forward to it. I will be brief. Um, I wanted to give you a very quick update on the BayWeb project, which we had come and presented to you before. So this is the regional data communications network that will allow first responders to communicate throughout the Bay Area, sharing text, pictures, diagrams on a smart type of device, a smartphone type of device. So the um, real-time video, these, the apps are being designed right now. We got a um, grant from the federal government the region did three years ago now through a BTOP process grant um, to start to build this out. There's been a lot of back and forth in Washington. Um, Basically, the project was on hold because Congress decided to start um, a new committee called FirstNet. And so the FirstNet committee said, we don't want any more progress on these uh, BTOP projects until we, we have it up and running. They are up and running now. We've basically been given the green light. We are about to, uh, we're hoping, um, get a lease so that we can start the project. And we are very um, positive because Washington, D.C. and the FirstNet Board has showed that they really like what we have already been able to do working with Motorola here in the, here in the Bay Area. And so I'm, I'm convinced that we will have a, a robust system um, by September 2015. Wanted to show you a really quick video on um, SF-72. You may have seen in your packets today, we put a number of uh, press articles that have been in the paper in the last couple months. Um, and one of the, one of the uh, featured stories is about SF-72, which we will come back to you probably at our next Disaster Council meeting to officially launch, but we're very excited about it. And Mimi, could you put that on? Seven quarter miles of contradictions. San Francisco is a fog. At farmer's market, 
cups in every closet. The $5 cup of coffee next to the $1 taco. It's where optimism meets work ethic. It's the newest and startups. The hippies. The idealists. The plants. This city might be the only thing we all have in common. This is our city. This is our city. By living here, we've all embraced the way of life. That's about being on the edge of social change, technology, even nature. After all, the ocean, the hills, and the fault lines are San Francisco too. So let's take care of the people and the place we love. Let's take stock of our skills and resources. Let's not wait until a disaster to show how connected we are. Let's start small and go from there. Together. 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 excited about this campaign. It's going to be our new preparedness platform. We've been working with audio um, and basically it's going to be a platform so we can um, share and connect in the community the, re the existing resources we have. We're moving away from you need a kit because we, we really believe that you probably have most of the stuff you need in your house already. You just need to pull it together and think about it in advance. Uh, having a backpack with a few things in it is not going to prepare you. You need more than that. And it's reaching out to your neighbors in the community, making those kind of connections in advance of a disaster. So we're, we're very excited. And as I said, you'll hear more about it in uh, three months when we have our next disaster council meeting. Um, and then the, the last thing I wanted to touch on just very quickly is the Urban Area Security Initiative. In the written report I gave you, you will see that our funding has decreased over the last four years. And in fact, this past year, the allocation was reduced by 38%. We are expecting fiscal year 13's allocation to be announced May 20th. We've been doing a lot of work to with FEMA hopefully so we do not get reduced again. But as the mayor said, with uh, sequestration, we don't know how that's going to look. The mayor made a trip to Washington, D.C., and during that time he spoke with uh, Secretary Napolitano and explained why the Bay Area region um, should continue at the funding level or even increase funding. Um, but that, you know, we should, we, we really needed to move forward our interoperability projects and that we had so many, so many um, assets here that we need to protect that we just cannot afford to be cut again. So we will let you know as we move forward. Um, lots of moving pieces in this one and we're hoping that we do not get further cuts, but we should know very soon. And that concludes my report. Um, I think we can move right on to the public safety at mass gatherings. And this is, we put this on the agenda 
after what happened in Boston at the marathon, um, the Board of Supervisors had a hearing last week to discuss this, and many departments presented at that hearing. We just asked today for Department of Emergency Management, police, and fire to give very, very brief um, presentations on what we're doing to address special events. But any of the rest of you who are part of this, who may have testified at the last hearing, you know, feel free to jump in and, and give your opinions or your viewpoints as well from your perspective. So I'm going to turn it over to Rob, who's going to walk us through DEM's role. Thank you. And uh, this is something that I think all of you know that we've been doing for a number of years now, of actually coming together as a city to plan these things so that we actually think about all this in advance. So just real briefly, our role at DEM is, in the pre-event, is to actually just bring together the planning, to actually help people connect and to gather them up and actually produce a concept of operations that we share across the board with everybody. We usually hold, a, for the larger events especially, a planning meeting where we get everybody in the room, kind of walk through the various plans to make sure that they're in sync so that we don't have three different uses for the same plot of ground, which, believe it or not, occasionally does happen. Um, and then, you know, during the event, we will pull together people into the Emergency Operations Center to provide a coordination point and support to the, to the tactical command that actually happens out in the field. Um, and we will also, depending on the timeline, pull together exercises to test a lot of the plans and the assumptions. We did this uh, last year for America's Cup in the lead-up to the first round of races there. Uh, we've also done a number of other exercises that are really pertinent to this. Uh, two years ago, it was uh, actually three years ago now with Golden Guardian, it was about simultaneous and, and sequenced attacks that involved IEDs, uh, improvised explosive devices. So we do touch on a lot of these these issues on a fairly regular basis. Um, during the America's Cup exercises, we actually looked at three or four different ways things could go. One was everything is normal, so we actually got to test the assumptions of crowd movement, traffic, you know, what do we need as far as a footprint for public safety. And then we tested three or four different scenarios where things could go wrong from maybe there was a protest all the way up to an explosion. So this is something that we take very seriously, and these lessons, then we counter them against some of the real-life lessons that have come out of places like Boston and Reno and some of the other things that have happened, and it gives us a chance to tweak what we do and how we do it, and as a result, I think we actually have a pretty robust method to look at how we plan for these things, and we don't do it in isolation. Uh, on the day of when we activate the Emergency Operations Center, it depends on the size of the event as to who we ask to be there. Typically, it's scaled to uh, the need, so if it's a really large event like Beta Breakers, we'll have most of the operations section activated. Uh, many of, uh, of all the public safety departments and most of the supporting departments will be there, whereas a smaller event like, say, Fourth of July, we may just have DEM staff in there to monitor the situation and, and provide situational awareness across the board. Um, with that, I don't think I'm going to spend too much time except just to remind everybody the role of the Emergency Operations Center is not a command and control structure, but rather a coordination point. It's that brokerage of resources and information where we can help do collective problem solving. We leave the tactical command to the disciplines that actually own those assets and to the field commanders that actually have the, the on-the-ground view where it's going to be most effective. Thank you, Rob. Um, Deputy Chief John Loftus, I believe, is going to present for the police department. Good afternoon. 
Control Office. Um, I'm going to give you a very quick overview of how we plan events, how we do threat assessments, and our plans for day breakers. Okay, event planning. It all starts off with the event itself, first step. Basically, the type of event, whether it's a parade, a march, a demonstration, a dignitary visit. Second step, the venue, the location it's going to be taking place, whether it's indoors, outdoors, what are the emergency egress and ingress. And third, it's the history of the event. Who's the event organizer? What's their track record here in the city with the events we've had with them before? What type of crowd is going to be? Is there alcohol being served? And is it a controversial group where we're going to have an opposing group that's also going to show up? Next step is we plan, uh, assemble a planning team. We get together an overall plan with crowd estimates, routes, permit uh, requirements, staffing required, what kind of specialized units we might need. Then the meetings begin. The meetings with the organizers, community groups in the affected area, and all of our city agencies that are going to be taking part. And also the outside agencies and additional law enforcement assistance we may need. And then finally, an operations order is put together at the San Francisco Police Department. It's a NIMS format and basically lays out the command structure, the mission, uh, what everybody's doing, and who the personnel are. And that order provides us continuity of operations, allows us to track our resources, and identify the duties and responsibilities of everyone participating. Here in San Francisco, we're home to about 300 events, probably 3 to 350 a year now. All right? Um, we could do threat assessments on all the large events. Large events usually an event where we're expecting 50,000 people or more. The assessment for the beta breakers this year was conducted by our special investigations unit, which is our liaison unit to all the outside departments, uh, the NICRIC, the Northern California Regional Intelligence Center, Department of Homeland Security, and the FBI. In this year's event at the Beta Breakers, we're expecting about 30,000 runners and walkers, 100,000 spectators, and bystanders. We began our planning back in November of 12 for this event. Now, operational plans were revised after the Boston Marathon attack to add even a greater level of security and safety for all the attendees. So for this year's event, Number one is going to be high visibility. We're taking officers from all ten of our district stations and assigning them to the event. In addition to that, we're going to be taking the special, uh, special operations group, the tactical, the Hondas, the mounted units. We've got all of our bomb techs are going to be on the scene. All of our bomb detection canine dogs are going to be on the scene early and doing the route for early detection, and they're going to be present during the race. We have the members of our uh, PRT, our uh, violence reduction teams, will be there. We'll have three different mobile command and communication vehicles on the scene. And in addition to that, we have 80 additional officers and staff from our academy. Those are recruits that are coming down to be online. And because there have been so many problems with alcohol in the past, we will have our alcohol licensing unit out there Saturday, hitting the businesses to make sure they're not selling to drunk patrons during the race and we'll have permit officers assigned to the race route the day of the race to take action should there be something going on. We've also reached out to allied agencies. We've gotten a lot of help from our allied agencies also. The MTA sworn personnel are going to be saturating the areas, travel by Muni and BART stations and bus corridors. 
Our Sheriff's Department is providing personnel and patrol wagons. Port security will be covering security on the ferries. And then we are vast uh, regional police departments in the area to give us their bomb units. They've been very good. We've got a lot of extra bomb dogs and bomb techs are going to be along the route from outside agencies. FBI will be present with assets. We will have security cameras along the route that would be given to us by uh, Nick Rick and they'll be set up in different locations. And also we're going to be using the automated license plate recognition equipment along the route to capture plates of cars in the outside area. And then uh, finally, we've been pitching real hard to see something, say something. That's part of the reason why we have so many uh, EOD experts and canine uh, experts, because we're expecting a lot of calls for suspicious packages and stuff left along the route. That's basically the plan as it goes right now. We've also identified alternate routes. Should we find something that is really suspicious, that maybe a dog sits on or something, we have alternate routes for the race if it needs to be changed. Okay? Any questions? Yes, ma'am. Yes, there's a size limit on backpacks that was put into place by the event organizer, and that's kind of difficult to enforce out on the, you know, for spectators and stuff, but they are asking that smaller backpacks be uh, brought to the race. I think there's 15 inches by 11 inches, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, ma'am. Is there a special number to call? That's for people at the scene, and there's going to be so many cops and race officials there that we're asking, if you see something, just grab somebody, tell them, and then we'll take care of it. We'll respond immediately. Or call 911. Or call 911 if you can't see anybody, obviously. Yeah. Chief? So very quickly, there's been a lot of questions about the um, civil liberties restraints on this. Backpacks were never banned. There was a big... Uh, hoo-ha that they were banned. It was the size of the backpacks and then uh, there was a big discussion about uh, that non-registered runners would be prohibited from running. They've always been prohibited from running. The sponsors want to make money. So um, I think it's really important to, to, you know, the size of backpacks have been uh, uh, controlled going into ballparks forever. So, I mean, we're talking about the, you know, the uh, REI, I'm going away for two-week backpack, right? But obviously, this is the beta breaker. Somebody way smarter than me once said that the, the secret isn't the plan, it's two plan. So this whole, all these events we have in San Francisco, probably top of the list would be beta breakers are fluid. So uh, we have uh, a ton of experience. I bet you there's more people here in the room than less that we've relied on over my time in the police department to help. And everybody brings all kinds of experience, resources. Uh, one point in time, there was this great guy at DPW that did that, and he's done pretty well now. So, uh, yeah, sorry, was that a... He's my boss, too. I waited for him to leave. I didn't want to embarrass him. So, but it's, it's really, really important that um, uh, whoever does have command and control of the event, it's great to have the uh, EOC as a... Um, as a resource, but um, I can't even tell you how much we appreciate the fact that whenever we call, there's, there's rarely a, a question, delays are minimal, and, and uh, that's going to be the case going forward. It is, this has been a reset uh, after Boston, so uh, the, it's, it's, there's no reason to, to, uh, to believe that there's going to be a problem, but it doesn't mean that we don't plan for it, and it's just about reassuring the public.
Thank you, Chief, and thank you, Chief Loftus. Um, we're now going to hear from the fire department, and there will be a few minutes at the end if, if other people have comments. But um, Deputy Chief Mark Gonzalez is going to give a brief overview. Good afternoon, Disaster Council. Thanks for having us. Let's um, give you a quick overview on how we plan for EMS planning and fire for mass gatherings. Uh, multiple factors define a mass gathering event. It's an emergency response plan. Planning for a mass gathering event begins with recognizing the event type. Is it a scheduled event or a spontaneous event? If it's a spontaneous event, usually we will coordinate with the police. Uh, we'll send someone to their op center, make sure we're safe as well. A spontaneous is usually uh, something we don't want to get in the middle of. In the event of a public city-sponsored or private vendor, is the SFFD role as primary or backup? What are the overall mission goals for fire EMS? Obviously, fire suppression, uh, medical intervention, hazmat, any type of rescue. What prior events are similar in operational impact to the area in the 911 system? What metrics, risk management strategies are needed to develop the plan? Uh, I'll go over that later. I have a couple of forms in here I can show you briefly. Draft planning, primary response, and contingency responses. Event analysis, size of venue, potential event population. Potential for problems, we use the past history of events, jurisdictional responsibility, and the time factors are big, and what kind of assets we might need. The complexity of events, the financial factors, are we getting paid? Legal factors, crowd demographics, specialized resources needed, weather conditions are a factor in anything we do, whether it be a fire or any kind of event. <coughs> Multi-agency planning meetings needed, usually at the EOC, DEM, they do a great job at that, bring us together. This is just a quick look at a form that my assistant deputies used to put the metrics together to figure out what we need to commit to the event. Whatever level it is, the amount of resources we need, what type of management uh, structure we need, and how many leadership roles we need to provide. We also have to follow EMS policy as well, minimum resources as far as ambulances and rescue captains will put and they will sign to the event. These are some of our equipment that goes to the events. These are our gators. They can transport, provide ALS intervention. They can get in and out of the crowd, outside of the box, where our ambulances will be waiting to transport to the hospital. Sometimes we use our mobile command vehicle as a command post. We'll put it near the police vehicle. That can be part of the command post, or we can special call multiple, excuse me, we can special call a multiple casualty unit, which has more EMS equipment and also more backboards in case we need them. Uh, our basic fire engine, that's one of the better fire engines in the city, if none of you uh, are aware of that. One of my assistant deputies put that in, in there. It's a coincidence that I used to work there. <laughs> one of the fire boats, uh, one of our rescue boats, and we have six rescue watercraft. All will be an important uh, asset for us when America's Cup is going full bore. This is just an example of one of the ICS 201 forms. What uh, Deputy Chief Loftus referred to, the NIM system, the ICS, we use the same. And this is just a... a this is basically the communications plan. This is both for the Golden Gate Bridge 75th anniversary event. Uh, and I'd just like to, for a learning lesson after action, the first uh, parade and uh, celebration for the Giants in 2010, if you all remember, everybody packed in like sardines. Somebody made a great call, and I don't know who did, but for the 2012, they put a TV here, a big, big screen. So a lot of the crowd stayed back in this area, and they didn't jam up. So it was a lot sparse, and it was... It was better, and it was safer for the public, so it was, it was, it was a learning lesson. And that's the end of my um, presentation, but I'd just like to stress and reiterate what the mayor said. It's really important that we do upgrade our 800 megahertz system. Um, it's, it's old, and it needs to be replaced. Uh, any questions on the presentation?
like to bring up one issue, and that's the issue of not having any sort of helicopter evacuation uh, in the city. We don't have a helipad at SF General. I know in Boston they had a number of hospitals that had that access to, to you know, would take people immediately to the hospital. Well, we have multiple places. We can special call helicopters in, and we have multiple spots throughout the city where they can land. And we, have, we actually had a drill just recently at TI using that. So there's no plans to even discuss putting a helipad at our Trauma One Center, which is SF General? Uh, maybe Rob can our only that one. someone else here can answer that. I don't know. I know we don't have one on our headquarters. <laughs> That is an issue that has been discussed for years and years. I don't know if Ms. Garcia wants to say something, our Director of Health. We had a lot of concern from neighbors regarding that issue. I just think the overall safety of the city and the residents at large would trump any sort of neighborhood concerns there. And I think there's mitigations that can be made to allow for a for a helipad to be put at SF General, and I think we should look at that, quite frankly. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Chief Gonzalez. Um, under Sheriff Grin, did you want to add what the Sheriff's Department? Um, I think the Chief uh, hit on it that we will be providing wagons for the data breakers, okay. um, and we'll also provide someone for the DOC as well. Okay, thank you. Um, are there other departments who have a role, many of you do, that, that wanted to share your, um, your part in special event planning? Any questions for our chiefs? Yes. I just wanted to commend the chiefs uh, for their work. This looks great. It's a great plan. I think it's responsive. They had a good plan, and then they, we learned from what happened to Boston, and I think the public will be safer as a result. So I think they've done a great job. I want to commend them. I agree. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Uh, next on our agenda is the 800 megahertz radio upgrade, which the, the mayor referred to in his opening remarks. And Michelle Geddes, who is the project manager for this, will be presenting. Thank you, members of the disaster council. I'll talk loud. Okay. Um, yes, thank you to the mayor. Thank you, uh, Chief Gonzalez. I didn't pay him, I promise. We, um, I'm here to talk about the 800 megahertz upgrade project. Um, it's a very important initiative in DEM. Um, but I'm really here on behalf of all the public safety departments. Uh, the Department of Emergency Management did convene an executive steering committee, and we've been meeting since December. Um, on this initiative, and there are a lot of um, departments in this room that have been supporting this effort, so just thank you to all of you. Uh, like was mentioned earlier, uh, our 800 megahertz system is the primary form of emergency communications in the city. Um, I know you think, well, why can't we just pick up a cell phone, but this is a totally different type of technology. It's voice communications. It connects, uh, if you're using a radio, you push to talk, you can connect and you can talk to other public safety agencies as well as to a dispatcher within 500 milliseconds. This is totally different from the technology that you get from your cell phone. So this is a critical system for, for the city. We have over 7,000 uh, uh, users on the network. Uh, just a t an average typical day, there are 100,000 push to talks on the radio system. It is heavily utilized. Um, but the system is over 13 years old, and it needs to be replaced, and uh, we're undergoing the uh, initiative right now to do that replacement. 
The current system, it was installed in 2000 by Motorola. It is owned by the city, and it is maintained by our Department of Technology. So in order to start the initiative, we put together some very initial estimates with the Department of Technology, and we do estimate that this is a very large project. Right now, initial estimates are between $65 and $69 million to do the replacement of the system. This includes both the infrastructure as well as all of the radios that operate on the network. The actual cost for the radios, those 7,000 that I talked about earlier, is actually half of this cost. So what we've done with this project is we've followed sort of the same plan that you use when you do major capital development projects in the city, and we've asked for planning funding first. And as recently as of May, last week, May 2nd, Coit approved planning funding for the project. It's about $1.8 million in planning over the next two fiscal years. That will staff two project positions, one in the Department of Emergency Management and the other in the Department of Technology. And then what we're also going to do is have a consultant come on board and help us do sort of the strategic plan and how we roll out the network. This consultant is going to evaluate several things. They're going to evaluate the ability to take advantage of existing assets that we have in the city. For example, the SFMTA is building a communications network to meet their needs, and we're going to see if we can take advantage of this as we build out the public safety system. We're also going to have the consultant look at how other departments, not just the public safety departments, but the public service departments, can take advantage of this new technology as well. So we have been approved for funding. We're going to start the hiring process as well as start the RFP process to get the consultant on board. And so as far as the schedule, our vendor has given us a timeline that end of life of the current system that we're operating on will be about the 2018 timeframe. So we've put together a project plan that will get us to a new system and cut over by that 2018 date. So we are in the very early planning stages of this. We believe it's going to be about a five-year rollout. And we will be back in front of this group as well as in front of COIT and in front of the Board of Supervisors to keep everyone apprised of the progress of the project. So that's all I have for this. Any questions, by all means, contact me or Anne, of course, our fearless leader. Thanks. Thank you very much, Michelle. I appreciate your presentation. Are there any questions? As the mayor said in his opening remarks, this is one of his key priorities, and so we are going to be moving forward. He even asked me to instruct staff to begin an RFP process for the consultant before the end of the year. Start it now so that we could just jump into it come July 1. I'm sorry. I just want to thank DEM for doing this on behalf of my partner in crime here. Pardon the expression. This is huge for us. If everybody remembers last year when the 49ers won the NFC Championship game, front page story that communications were down, cell phones were down, radios never went down, they worked. 
um, but our current radio system does have limitations. Other jurisdictions, I know that I was just talking to Sheriff Ahern over in Al Alameda, they have a new system. They can't believe the, uh, the connectivity that they have in the range that their new system has, and we have every confidence that ours will be uh, just as good as better, and interoperability is sort of a you know, the holy grail of uh, everything. First thing that goes down is calm. So if it works, um, it's going to keep everybody safer. Appreciate sure, it. and thank you. I would just echo uh, from the fire department's perspective the importance of this project. Uh, Thirteen years is a lot of years when you're talking about technology. And for I know for our members to keep them as safe as possible, uh, the 800 megahertz is as important as our safety equipment. Uh, it's our lifeline in many cases, so we definitely are on board and supportive of this uh, program. Thank you. Thank you, Chief. both Chiefs. Any other comments? We will keep you updated on our progress as we move forward. Um, I'm now going to ask Jill Raycroft to come up and give a briefing on next week's Golden Guardian exercise. Great, thank you, Anne. Uh, my name is Jill Raycroft. I'm the exercise director for Golden Guardian. It is next Wednesday. I'm sure most folks in this room are well aware of that. I see a lot of planning team members at the table. Um, Doris and Brooke are handing out the two-page briefing document. Um, so as I'm going through this, please uh, follow along if you'd like. So Golden Guardian is the statewide annual exercise. Um, it generally comes to the Bay Area about every three years. This year we are testing the 1906 earthquake scenario. That's a 7.8 magnitude earthquake on the San Andreas Fault. And we are looking at the 48-hour mark after that. So a lot of planning assumptions come into play in the first two days. We're going to start X at that 48-hour mark. Many cities and operational areas in the Bay Area will be participating. The activities in San Francisco are um, probably the most robust in the region. The objectives that we'll be looking at will center around mass care and shelter. So that's um, a lot of our human services agencies partnering with the Red Cross, Salvation Army, and other nonprofit organizations. As far as specific objectives, our Three top objectives for this are maintaining situational awareness, communications, both from our department operations centers internally and up to the emergency operations center, how the emergency operations center talks to our regional and state partners as well. We're also going to look at resource coordination and logistics. Obviously, two days after an earthquake of this magnitude, we're going to need a lot of stuff. So we're going to look at how we order stuff, how we get stuff, and how do we track the stuff that we're getting in. The exercise is multifaceted. The Emergency Operations Center will be fully activated. We will have approximately 80 players in the Emergency Operations Center to include the Joint Information Center and the Policy Group. Um, we've got 100 or so observers coming in. People really want to see how San Francisco does this. We get a lot of attention for our special events planning, for activating our EOC, so they want to come to our EOC and see how it's done. I know a lot of our department operations centers have folks that want to come in, so it's pretty exciting that we're recognized on a regional level like that. As I mentioned, numerous department operations centers will be activated for the event on Wednesday. They're, uh, they're activating to test their ability to support field operations. A live shelter will be activated at St. Mark's Lutheran Church. And then, as the mayor mentioned, we will be doing um, in concert with many nonprofit faith-based organizations in the Tenderloin area of the city 
an exercise called Disaster Feed SF. And he's no longer in the room, but they will be serving hot dogs and chili. So if you're going, I think coleslaw and maybe a cookie. But um, this is a really exciting thing. Um, we have a, a planning member in the DEM staff that has been working very closely with a lot of these executive directors of nonprofits in the Tenderloin, and they really wanted to do this. This wasn't DEM saying, you know, you should do this. They said, we want to try to feed 6,000 meals within a couple hours to vulnerable populations in the Tenderloin, especially senior populations and populations with access and functional needs. So this is really exciting. Um, this is a full-scale test of this, and they are trying to do this as austerely as possible. So there's not a lot of pre-cooking that will be done in a big kitchen, and they're going to bring it out. They want to see how this would really work, so we're really excited. I know a lot of you folks are going to go out and observe that, and I encourage you to do so. It's on Golden Gate Avenue, so it's pretty close. Um, and then the scope of the exercise would not be possible because this is such a heavy lift for the city without all of the agencies that are in this room right now. I think I have worked with many of you personally and staff from your organization. So it's from DEM, we really appreciate all the support we're getting. Um, and then partner agencies. So in our EOC, we will we'll have folks from the state, from federal agencies, actually coming into our emergency operations center. It's really um, looking at this whole community component that FEMA really champions and that we're trying to do at the Department of Emergency Management and citywide. So we have folks from FEMA coming in, the Navy, we have the private sector, and we have many NGOs in our EOC. So if you look at the other side of the briefing sheet, you can see some of these agencies listed. So again, that's May 15th, that is next Wednesday, and we're looking forward to seeing many of you folks in the EOC, at the DOCs, and at the feeding site. Any questions? Thank you, Jill. Thanks. We look forward to it, and I know we will see many of you. We, um, as Jill said, are activating the policy group and going to give you all MREs instead of hot dogs. But. <laughs> uh, uh, if there's no questions, we'll move on and go to our city administrator, Naomi Kelly, who's going to present on the Lifelines Council. Thank you, Naomi. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, just as a reminder, the Lifelines Council, it's a group composed of many of us department heads um, who are critical to um, recovering uh, and restoring San Francisco after an emergency, and this is after our first 72 hours and after our first responders, but, and, and also a lot of our utility uh, agencies who, we, who are, we are dependent upon to get us back up and running, to get our power back up and running, our telecommunications back up and running, our water and sewer. Um, the council, again, just quickly, um, our objectives are to develop and improve the collaboration in the city across the region, understand our inter-system dependencies to enhance planning, restoration, and reconstruction, share information about recovery plans, projects, priorities, and also our vulnerabilities, and establish a coordination process for lifeline restoration and recovering, or recovery following a major disaster. Um, We've been doing, we've, uh, as I reported last time, we've had a huge interdependency study that we are almost completed with. And we um, talked about last time our um, 
a tangible success story where we collectively worked with PG&E um, in solving one of their vulnerability issues by helping them um, supporting their 230 kilovolt Embarcadero Contrero transmission project, which uh, was a transmission line to uh, help improve reliability, um, in particularly to the downtown area post an earthquake. Um, most recently, the Lifelines Council um, surveyed the council members and we're asking what topics were most useful to all of our different agencies um, to help with recovery. And we prioritize those topics as um, understanding priority routes and access, um, how will the crews get around the city to where they need to stage or where they need to fix whatever uh, it is that they need to fix. That uh, we also established another working group um, called the Permanent and Temporary Cell Site Permitting that includes looking at our cells on wheels, our cells on my trucks, um, mobile cell sites, and the logistics behind that, fuel, power, generators, etc. And uh, lastly, we, uh, we are going to do an interdependency tabletop exercise that will have multiple utility operators involved where we can all identify areas needed um, additional pre-disaster planning. I want to thank uh, on priority routes and access. We're working with Patrick Otellini um, in the Earthquake Safety Improvement Group who's helping co-chair that um, for the permit and temporary cell site permitting. John Updike is helping taking the lead on that. And thank you, Rob Dungeon, um, for helping us with the interdependency table talks exercise. Um, in addition, just talking about uh, just our different in, and, and working to work with the different um, Private utilities um, and public utilities, we are trying to share information is a little bit difficult in our sunshine environment, and particularly not so much that, um, you know, uh, just protecting our, 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 our information just for safety and security reasons, and we don't want to put a roadmap up online for folks to figure out where all of our, you know, our assets are. Um, we have been working closely with... Um, we're working with uh, the city attorney to kind of look at our sunshine laws and how do we uh, protect our assets and like be able to share information without disclosing them uh, worldwide or in, in a protected way. And we've been having a lot of conversations with PG&E and particularly in the incident that just happened the day after the Boston uh, Marathon incident about our assets and how we need to protect them. And we'll be getting together with a group of our department heads to, to have lessons learned from that incident. Um, but also working with PG&E, they um, are starting to work with us on in, in unveiling their 1.2 million, 2 billion, excuse me, in upgrades to their infrastructure, and they're trying to address their vulnerabilities. So in a nutshell, our, our groups, and I think this is what the Lifelines Council really adds value, is looking at all of our assets so that they and looking at our vulnerabilities and what can we do now to make sure that they are seismically feasible, protected from uh, future terrorist attacks so in the event of a disaster they can get back up and running fairly quickly um, so that we don't have long like turns um, as we've seen in New Orleans with whole neighborhoods not back up and running um, or as we saw in Hurricane Sandy certain regions not being able to get power back up and running as fast as they need to so the more, re more resilient our, our lifelines are the more the quicker we will become more resilient. Any questions? Any questions for Naomi? Thank you for your good work. Thank you. 
This is the time for um, council members. If you have something you want to share, um, upcoming events, anything, this is our roundtable. Yes, Ken. I'm Ken Cleveland, representing the Building Owners and Managers Association. We're commercial real estate property owners. And the bulk of your downtown or your high-rise office buildings are the membership of BOMA. We have had a long-standing relationship with the fire department, and we are pleased to announce that we're going to do a high-rise fire safety drill in July to, again, test the fire department's high-rise safety uh, response in a, in a high-rise fire situation. So it's going to be a full-on uh, exercise at the Post Montgomery Center. So thank you, Chief Hayes-White, uh, for working with BOMA to make sure that all your high-rises in San Francisco are as safe as they can be from fire. Excellent. Thank you. Yes, Monique. So um, in, in this budget season, upcoming budget season, there's been some progress in the area of emergency planning. Um, the Controller's Office, together with the Department of Technology, has received adequate funding to build a disaster recovery data center in uh, around Sacramento that will first house all of the city's financial systems. And so that's a huge deal, something we've been wanting and, and working toward for a decade. And then secondly, um, with respect to this building, um, the logistics section and the finance and administration section of City Hall would be dark in a, in a disaster because the generators do not um, power up our areas and so we have been funded to secure um, uh, generators that would be permanent to be able to maintain power in those two EOCs, so, um, DOCs, so I'm very happy about that. Fantastic. Good work. Other announcements? I was going to mention that DEM has partnered with USF to put on a one-day um, disaster emergency planning conference on July 23rd. And invitations just went out this week. Um, seating is limited, but if you're interested, I think it should be a really good day. Any other announcements? Is there any public comment? Okay, hearing none, this meeting is adjourned. Thank you all so much for coming.